Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Dauntless. Ew, I'm Stephen Hilker. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We've never linked our identities to whatever we're going to talk about. Yeah, but. my name is Brandon Bigley, but we're playing Dauntless. We're playing Dauntless. We uh, talked about it a little bit last week in, in the context of like the fact that it's a free-to-play game that has kind of Fortnite-y battle pass and... and uh, and, and progression systems and things like that. But I kind of wanted to steer clear of actually talking about the actual mechanics of that game until you and I played it together, which we have done a whole bunch since last yeah. week. So you've now two out of three times successfully got me to play and enjoy a free-to-play <laughs> Fortnite-esque game. Uh-huh. Uh, I think, not that I have anything like dramatically against it, but I probably would not have picked this game up if you didn't recommend it. Um, right. But I figured like since it was free, I would check it out. And also, um, considering last year, the big surprise of both of our Game of the Year lists was that we had both loved Monster Hunter World. Yeah. And never talked about it. So, <laughs> like, you and I were predisposed to like Dauntless, I think. Yeah, at least mechanically. yeah. Exactly. So, I, I wanted to, to give it a shot. And, again, it's free. And it's a lot of fun. It's... It's last episode we talked about what goes into a game that is, like, just engaging enough to like to keep you there but it is like passive enough that it becomes kind of like a social catalyst yeah it's kind of ironically how i always see the super bowl too where it's like it's gonna be on in the background and we're just gonna hang out Um, yeah right i'm i'm always kind of amazed that every now and then i get into the game and i'm like wow this is what liking sports is like this is crazy yeah every once in a while i'll watch the super bowl i'm like man i should watch football maybe and then i just yeah Cause I don't the only paper, time, why would I? the only time that like I almost got into sports was it was literally the World Series with the Cubs because I lit I used to live like in Wrigley Field, like, right next yeah. to Wrigley Field. It yeah, was, like, it was hell. But in that moment, it was really exciting, and that game was like extra innings in the rain, two teams that had not won in in a long time. Yeah, that was unreal. But like it takes that level of drama because I'm like, oh, like if it's just a game, like who cares? But like right. that was intense. Yeah, that was that had stakes. The most into the Super Bowl I've ever been is when Beyonce was performing and the lights went out. <laughs> I mean, the halftime show is usually what yeah. I'm there for. So, yeah. But I digress. Dauntless is kind of like that, where it is fun to kind of be passively playing, but it is engaging. And we'll talk about like the mechanics of it. But I've really enjoyed playing it with you and like talking with you while we're in this strange world together. Yes, totally. So, just kind of an overview of how I'm enjoying it. I was initially divisive on like the art style because it is like very Fortnite-y. And like, not that I don't like that, but it's just not like my preferred vibe. Honestly, I think that that art style fits better for a Monster Hunter-esque game than it does, it does. for a 100 people are on an island and they're trying to murder each other game. Yes, it definitely <laughs> does. I, I agree with that. It's, like it's it makes less... sense if you want Fortnite to be the, the you know behemoth of money and wealth that it needs to be, you know, to be appealing to all age groups. But just like tonally, the, the art style I think matches this. I agree. This I, even have that, I even have that same mixed thought with Overwatch where like they they put so much effort to like getting mm. you to really love these characters and like you learn about their stories and all that. And then it's like the actual game is fighting weird clones of each other like right. to death. To to the death. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like initially I'm like, oh man, like I don't want to kill Winston. He rules. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I think the art style fits better. And what I really like in terms of the art is whenever on the loading screen they have like a bit of the concept art of the environments, that yeah. stuff is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the monsters are great. And that's where I think like all the efforts of this game have really like gone 110% into. Yeah. Is like both the monster designs and how the monsters fight and like actually fighting the monsters. Because again, this sort of the the idea this is a free-to-play game from the publishers of Fortnite, it's like, okay, like I'm expecting kind of this to feel a little half-baked. Right. And it does when you're just like walking around in the hub world or during the opening cutscene, which was a true nightmare, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I managed to figure out a way to glitch the uh, the cutscene as it was playing. So my like HUD showed up with like all of my inventory and, and stuff like it showed like my character health as he was like falling out of an airship. In yeah. The cutscene, which was weird. I appreciate the tutorial, but it was like it, it played out like a PowerPoint presentation with malware. And then like, it was just, you know, it's just very dramatic. Generic, but like, but still, they, that is still a better tutorial than you have ever gotten in a Monster Hunter game. Sure, yeah, absolutely, and and it's very short. Like it doesn't overstay its welcome. Right, and they really do launch you. You right just fight in. a big squirrel. You fight a big squirrel, and they're like, "Good job," and then you go to the camp. 
<laughs> so the the way the game plays out is basically there are a list of monsters to hunt. They're all different elements, and the environment is usually linked to that element. So like, there's like a fire island, there's a snow island, there's a lightning island. Uh, it's my first album, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's the environments are really pretty. You can actually get some pretty cool costumes. Like I I wasn't initially into that. I was like I don't really like how any of this looks. But like as you discover more monsters, they all have like their own vibe. My vibe right now is very like Fallout like Raider kind of Mad Max, which I'm into. Yeah, you kill the uh, Quill Shot, the Anguros esque monster. <laughs> you'll get a cool jacket. Yeah, but it's just like it's just very simple. Like they don't waste your time. They know exactly what you're playing that game for, and you can find a monster and hunt it, and you come back and you immediately get rewards for doing so. Sometimes right. you'll need a certain ingredient or whatever, but like they definitely have figured out like the system to keep you coming back. And it's a nice game just to play for like an hour and feel like you did something and then leave. Yeah, it's absolutely. a really good game to play like after work or just to unwind for a bit because like. You know, it's it's just it's just a nice kind of casual experience. That being said, the monster fights are pretty tough. They're not they tough in the way yeah. yeah. They're not gonna be tough in the way that like you're gonna give it a million tries, but like they're tough in the sense that you can't just like go in blindly. Like there are some like there was one we fought last night where it was this like fire turtle that would spew out rays of fire that slowly rotated. So suddenly right. you had to like really watch your positioning and, and Right, like yeah, the it, thing is is incredibly open while it's doing that, as yeah. long as you are standing between the two jets of fire, um, right? Which is very hard to do to be attacking and moving, yeah, like that, especially given what weapon you have. So like, I've just been sticking to the great sword for whatever reason. Yeah. I may get creative with that eventually, but you're doing the what's your weapon? I basically have the chain blades from God of War, and that's what I've been <laughs> using. Uh, but that said, I I got a quest recently, and I love that they do this. I got a quest recently where they asked me to. Uh, kill a monster with every kind of weapon. So I've just been like crafting every kind of weapon and trying them oh, all. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which is awesome. It's a, it, That's like one of the first quests you get. I think like after level like three or four, they give you that quest and it really incentivizes you to try everything because like never in Monster Hunter have I ever decided like, let me just like fuck around and, and switch weapons all the time. But now I, I kind of have more of an incentive to, depending on what I'm fighting, change up my weapon as well, which is cool. Yeah, I think Monster Hunter definitely makes you work more for getting stuff. So like I decided that I was going to use the big hammer made out of a giant bone. Yeah. And that was my thing for the whole game. Right. <laughs> and it rules. Honestly, playing this game makes me wonder if the fine folk at Capcom who make Monster Hunter are like really questioning their game design because so much of what's happening in Dauntless is just like a streamlined, easier to pick up version of Monster Hunter mm -hmm. in a way that I think sometimes makes it better than Monster Hunter. The Like even down to the creature design, like Monster Hunter is dinosaurs. <laughs> like you're fighting a dinosaur and, and you don't really know what the dinosaur is going to do, but can be pretty sure it's going to swing its tail at you. It's going to try and bite you and it's going to try and scratch at you with its claws. In Dauntless, Every, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but pretty much every single monster that you fight visually indicates its moveset in some way. Like, mm -hmm. you can just by looking at it kind of infer what's going to happen. So I never feel weird about running into a fight and then just starting to attack it because I kind of know intuitively, based on looking at it, what's going to happen. I think the quill shot's a really great example where, like, first of all, the thing is called quill shot and you yeah. go fight it and it's a big, like, pig looking thing kind of like a ganon as as you called it last night yeah it becomes ganon yeah, yeah that has a bunch of quills on its back and guess what it shoots the quills out at you yeah and that's not surprising when it happens because again it's called quill shot right or the owl who like flies at you although you did point out that the owl also has a secret like kame blast yeah <laughs> right like, it, it has Hadouken, Hadouken, which is weird yeah. which is like oh i didn't think an owl could do that right, right. that's like the only move really that i've seen so far that like doesn't really make sense uh visually i, th I also think like the 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 fire turtle thing that we fought is another great example where like you can see that it has like Blastoise-esque jets on it. So like, of course, they're going to shoot fire out of it because it's a fire monster. Right. So I, I think that that stuff is really great. Whereas in Monster Hunter, it's like, OK, so this is a lizard. It's a big lizard that for some reason is charged with electricity and can shoot it out of its eyes. And like, I wouldn't have ever guessed that. I guess that because Monster Hunter, there is no mechanic in Dauntless of like 
tracking and research and a big part of monster hunter is like yeah the more it's like footsteps and like droppings and other other parts of the environment where the more you gather that you have like a bestiary yeah of creatures and it will tell you in text like this monster does this yes and that's definitely cool like that's a that's a nice thing but like it's cool is that the reason people play the game i think some people like that I think that I think that it really is subjective because I think that like if you like because the the thing that Monster Hunter does that Dauntless isn't even trying to do is make the world kind of also alive. Yeah, you know, like you go to like I always think of the the coral part of it. Like there's a there's a world the monster I must say Monster Factory and Monster Hunter <laughs> mm-hmm. where it looks like you're underwater, but it's outdoors and it's like all these coral trees and the monster you fight there is this big bat that puffs its cheeks out like that's one of the weirder creatures and i love them that's where the game like really surprised me with how creative it got yeah but that's like i think the reason why the sort of research mechanic works in that game is because the environments are so alluring and interesting whereas in dauntless you're in like a very almost like TF2-esque map with nothing in it. <laughs> right. Uh, it's very samey. It's very pretty, but it's it's very much like, you know, this is the island with the trees and the like dark red shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the snow island, you know, and I, I would like to see a bit more creativity there because, again, the monsters themselves are very creative. But it's also like... I feel like the game is still in beta and they're, they've really focused their efforts on making sure that those fights are good. You yeah. know, I think like... There was an article that came out a few years ago about I don't know why the direct parallel in my brain is McDonald's. I don't even at McDonald's want to go for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they're talking about how McDonald's hasn't been doing well for the first time in like a long time. Yeah. Um and they and the article this came out like five years ago, but it was talking about how fast food now are places that are like Chipotle and like Shake Shack where they do like one or two things really well and you go there for those one or two things whereas McDonald's like kind of is trying to do everything in a weird way it's like this fluorescent lit like place yeah. that's really just trying to guess what you want to have I mean I think there's other reasons why they're not doing well because like there's no place more like directly associated with like poor health or like bad ingredients right yeah uh, but that's a whole other conversation but like yeah. it was an interesting article because they were saying like these two like restaurant people went to McDonald's and they were like, we would come back here for the coffee and the French fries. And like, that's what we want. <laughs> if you were to like really do what Chipotle is doing, yeah, you would just do those two things. And mm-hmm. I, and I only think of that because this game is kind of like, we're here to give you one thing and we, and we do it really well. Yeah. So I, I thought of that article just now. Yeah, no, I, I think there's something to be said for like really focused game design like that. Like, yeah. I, and I think you're right. Like maybe that is the delineation between who would rather play Monster Hunter and who would rather play Dauntless. But like for me, I think the grind of going and fighting a monster over and over again in Monster Hunter World is a lot harder. Like that pill is a lot harder to swallow when I know that there's a half an hour of tracking and running around a huge map trying to find the thing before I can even fight the thing. So it's going to take like an hour to fight that and I might not break off the part that I need to upgrade whatever piece of armor I'm trying to upgrade. Whereas in Dauntless, not only do they just launch you right into the fight pretty much because like the area is pretty small, but also when you fight the thing and you beat it, yes, you can break off parts and that's great for crafting things, but for upgrading things, all you need to do is beat a monster of that type. So like if I have, if I'm if I'm trying to upgrade my like fire armor that I already made, all I need to do is fight any fire monster and I get a fire orb and then I can use that to upgrade that piece of equipment so it makes the grind more palpable it makes it like it just it just makes it more enjoyable i think yeah um, because i you have a greater breadth of things that you can do to upgrade. i can definitely see like i think that that uh, i could see in terms of monster hunter wanting to pick up any like lessons from dauntless the tedium of like how often you have to fight the same monster to make anything i don't think adds to the experience the same way the research does or the like right or just the sort of like planning because i think i think that's the big difference is like in dauntless they suggest like hey if you're gonna fight a fire monster wear fire armor and maybe have an ice weapon and that's really all that goes into it and you can literally change your loadout at any time yeah whereas in monster hunter it's a lot more of like you really have to understand what goes into it to stand a chance Right. You spend a lot of time planning before you even get into the thing, which also adds on to the time if you're just trying to grind, right? Because you have to go visit the cat and you have to go give him a bunch of ingredients and get him to 
cook a thing for you. You know, you have to craft the right stuff beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that I think that even though the games are strikingly similar, they do occupy a different space. So I could right. see like I mean, you and I both like Monster Hunter, and I also like Dauntless. So like I think that the mood I have to be in to play Monster Hunter is a very different mood than when I'm playing Dauntless. Dauntless is a game I'm going to play for an hour, probably with a friend, yeah, to unwind. Monster Hunter is a game I'm going to play like when I have a bad cold or I'm snowed in, <laughs> yeah, probably for like a long time, right? And that's kind of the difference. It's like, do you want like a very sit down I'm gonna like shut the lights off and get like sucked into this world or do you want to like a quick kind of aside? You're right. Yeah, you definitely need a different kind of headspace to play each game. Like you have to be in the mood to have a lot of patience to play Monster Hunter. Yeah. And that's rewarding. And that's the thing. Like I, I don't wanna spend this whole episode like just shitting on Monster Hunter because I love that game. But there's a lot of patience that's required of you for that. And 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 when you do all that prep work and do all that tracking and and build up your bestiary and like go out and find the thing and hunt it successfully, like that is an extremely rewarding loop. But I do think there's kind of a brilliance in paring that down for like a free to play kind of like pick up and play situation uh, in Dauntless, which I really love. Yeah. I think the only thing Dauntless does that I could see getting rid of is like in Monster Hunter, for example, you'll reach a point in the fight where the monster might start limping and then go back to its nest. Yes. So then suddenly you have to like kind of retrace its steps and Mm -hmm. find where it's gone and continue the fight. And there's like a mechanic to do that. In Dauntless... They have that same thing where sometimes monsters will run away to another part of the map. And, like, it does give you a nice reset to, like, you know, you might heal and find more items as you find the monster again. But there isn't, like, a direct way to know where it went. Like, I, I think you can. There is. I think we yeah. discovered we discovered that if it is facing away. Maybe I take that back because there is. But it's not really too clear and i think like even just the act of it moving somewhere else doesn't really add like a ton to the fight yeah the only we talked about this yesterday but i think the only thing that it really adds is it gives you so kind of a nitty-gritty thing but there is like a vent it's called an aether vent which is very on brand for us uh but there's a thing (laughs) called an aether vent in the in the arena where you're fighting the monster um that has five uses and when you go up and you use it it heals some of you or it gives you some health um and those five uses are split between everybody in your party so like if each of you use it one time and one person uses it again like that aether vent is gone so i think the idea of the monster moving is literally just to give you another five uses of a different aether vent elsewhere on the island yeah but beyond that like you're right i mean there, there's no real reason for that to happen and and mechanically it's not really rewarding in any way because on, on top of all of this like there are no animations or changes in the monster when it decides to escape right like yeah even, even as it gets close to death like it is still fighting just as hard as it was when you first started fighting it it might get enraged more but like it's not limping away it's not changing up its attack patterns really like it is just continuing to come at you at full force and i the only indicator you really get that the monster is close to death are the visual like scars and cuts and bruises on the actual thing itself i do kind of wish that there was a little bit more variation in animation to indicate that kind of stuff yeah or even i mean not to make it echo like dark souls or cuphead too directly but like if there were some monsters that had different phases of the fight that would be kind of exciting yeah that's kind of what i mean like i i think it's it's just the one phase the whole time yeah or even the environment being different. I mean, even something as small, like there was one part where the monster moved in like the new area. There was like a big puddle in the middle of the map and it didn't really do anything, but just aesthetically it was a nice change up. But, <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that, I'm hungry yeah. for change and just yeah. seeing a big puddle was almost enough for me. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun. I would recommend checking it out. I would definitely say, well, I think that Dauntless and Monster Hunter definitely occupy a different niche in the same genre. If you are curious, if you might like Monster Hunter, I would say Dauntless is a great gateway for that i think you mentioned that last episode and if you want something kind of maybe like with i don't want to say more to it but with more to it i think monster (laughs) hunter you know might be like because i wonder of a world where like it's interesting that we live in the reality where monster hunter was first and dauntless came out in reaction to that because i'm i'm envisioning an era where like dauntless is first and then someone was like let's make this a bigger idea and made monster hunter Mm. and i think that again depending on what you're looking for and what your mindset is and what you're willing to invest in it they are both giving you 
kind of the core experience you look for. Right. Yeah. I do I do think there's something to be said for taking an idea and paring it down. I think there are a lot of pretty valid complaints that come with Monster Hunter. I frequently think about the Binding of Isaac and how that was like, I could take the experience of going through a dungeon in Zelda and like just turn that into a whole game. Right. That is kind of what Monster Hunter feels like. Is like, what yeah. if we ju- what if we just took out all the superfluous stuff and like just made the monster hunting part of Monster Hunter a whole game? And it's great. It's almost it's almost what Octopath Traveler feels like, but they didn't take out the part that they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it feels like they're like, let's make like the ultimate like old school JRPG combat game, but then yeah. they also wrote a story in twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a shit 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 shit. shit. Uh, this is due tomorrow. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What yeah. do? Good luck, Tressa, on your journey. <laughs> <laughs> that was so loud. I wonder, uh, are there any other games that you could see this happening with? Now that I've played, because you asked me this last episode, yeah. but now that I've played Dauntless, I'm trying to think. Not that it has to become I'm, like a free-to-play game, but in terms of like taking taking a game that's like a big thing and like kind of paring it down to its most basic elements. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I could see... Oddly, my first thought was like how I feel like the Warriors series is kind of like that. I mean, I feel like those games kind of teeter on fan service sometimes, but it's like, what if you just played as characters in the series and like fought a bunch of goblins? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that's what Hyrule Warriors is. That almost felt like that to me. That game has nothing to do with Zelda other than Zelda characters being in it. Yeah. So that's not the best example. I'm trying to think because my, my first thought is like, could you apply this to like a Final Fantasy mm. or like a, you know, really long rpg but i'm like i feel like it's tough because those games are so about that you know like those games like especially final fantasy like when you play a final fantasy some of them may have good gameplay but you're there for the the story i have i have bad news what's up i I think if you were to take final fantasy and pare it down to its most basic element that you want out of that and if it's the story and it's the characters then what you've done is written a book (laughs) i think you just wrote a final (laughs) fantasy book (laughs) <laughs> Siri, Dauntless is to Monster Hunter what X is to Final Fantasy VII. I think you made a book. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I was given a copy of uh, Blade Runner and Full Metal Alchemist, and I smushed them together. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything else, really. Hmm. I wonder if there's a way, I guess, to do it with like the discussions of... Sekiro and accessibility and like I wonder if you can make I mean that I think that's more of a conversation about difficulty levels than like paring down the game because like that's almost the opposite where like you want people to play that game because of the story and everything and not right. have the gameplay and the difficulty get in the way of that. I honestly don't know. I'm I'm struggling to think of a good example. Do you have any? Yeah, I th- I think the one that stands out to me the most um it's weird because it's a whole part of this game that exists that people kind of ignore unless you're really, really into it. But uh, Bloodborne has those chalice dungeons. Oh, yeah. That could be a whole game. Uh, j- yeah. So just to give a little bit of background, Bloodborne, one of the the souls, what, what is it? Uh, oh, shit. What is, what is the Soulsborne. all three of them? Soulsborne. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a third one that includes Sekiro. I forget what it is. Oh, it's really I, bad. Uh, Zero Born. Yeah, something like that. It's anyway. awful. I hate it. I like Soulsborne and Sekiro. It sounds like a show. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. yeah. I like uh, that. <laughs> like a bad sitcom. What is a pared down Dark Souls? A show. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> tell the show. Welcome to tonight's comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodborne is is you know just pretty much a Dark Souls game, like to a T. Uh, just you know set in like a Lovecraftian kind of like werewolf infested city. But there is a whole section of that game that are referred to as chalice dungeons, which you get a thing, it is a chalice, and then I think you have to like sacrifice something to it or whatever in the story. But then you visit this like randomly generated, sometimes randomly generated, sometimes not, depending on what you're what you're going after, but sometimes randomly generated dungeons where you just kind of like run around this space and it always ends with a boss. And a lot of the bosses are not bosses that were in the actual game. Like they yeah. specifically created bosses for the chalice dungeons i really think you could take that idea take that section of bloodborne and just turn it into a full-ass game i think so and it would be great and it would do really well and that could be 
not that everything needs to be a games as service kind of thing, but that could be a thing where you are constantly updating and adding new bosses and adding new kinds of rooms that can get added onto the dungeons and new enemies and things like that. Yeah, it'd be cool to have like just a daily, like there's a new dungeon every day or something or every few days. And right, and then you could add like the Spelunky daily challenge kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like Dead Cells does a version of this. Mm. There was a big update to that game recently. I I got back into it for a few moments because my roommate was thinking of getting it and I was like, let me show you it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's been a huge update because I've not played it in a year. But there's like some door that leads to like a daily challenge. And that game does kind of feel like a Sega Genesis pared down Bloodborne Mm -hmm. in a weird way. Yeah, totally. Like the runs and all that. So I think you're onto something. I think there is a way to, because I mean, we see so much inspiration within within like games inspiring other games and, and what that becomes. There was that Team Ninja game that was basically... Before Sekiro came out, it was like a Samurai Dark Souls. Do you ever play that? Uh, oh, Neo. Neo, yeah. I haven't, I th- but I've heard really good things about it. I heard that, that that game really like zeroed in on the sort of combat aspect of, of those games. Yeah. And Neo I have 2 not is this year, it. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe we should check that out. Because I yeah. think that that's, that might be an example of like taking one element and just kind of running with it. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think that there's something to be said about that. And I think that that's also like, there's more fodder to find your own voice if you're only really like inspired by one idea. It's almost like adaptation, you know, like I think some of the best movies, not to constantly talk about other mediums on the show, but some of the best movies that are adaptations are not a word-for-word adaptation of the book or whatever it's based on, but they just take one kind of key idea and go in their own direction. Mm-hmm. You know, like The Shining or plenty of other examples, but The Shining yeah. came to mind first. Because <laughs> then there was that word-for-word TV adaptation, and it was like, oh, this isn't as good. Right. Create your own ideas. Follow yeah. your heart. Take one idea and roll with it. I, hmm. I, uh, hmm. What's up? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 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 Mm. I'm just thinking about about games that turn into genres. Um, so like roguelike, yeah. I think is a great example, right? So there was a game called Rogue, and then people really liked it, and then it turned into the roguelike genre. Um, I had no idea that was what it caused it. That's so cool. Oh uh, yeah, we're now watching the Souls series turn into Souls likes. Like that's sure. that's a thing that's happening now. Metroidvania uh, game, games like yeah. Neo, yeah, Metroidvania being being a genre. Um, and it's making me wonder what other thing like there are Zelda likes, you know, like mm. like Okami is that that is pretty much a Zelda game. Darksiders, surprisingly, is just like, what about like a gothic Zelda? Star Fox Adventure, everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. That was like if someone stepped on Ocarina of Time, it was like, oh, shit, I got to fix this. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking like I, I found out recently because um, I've been trying to figure out if if Animal Crossing is going to be Nintendo's E3 focus because they mm. w- we have a Pokemon Sword and Shield focused Nintendo Direct this week. There was oh, wow. a, there was a Super Mario Maker two Nintendo Direct like two weeks ago, uh, which doesn't really leave a lot of games that we know are happening this year on the Switch to be the focus of E three for Nintendo. Yeah, except for Animal Crossing. So I was thinking like, okay, but is does that game sell well enough to to warrant that? Like, would they focus on that for the entirety of E three? Not the entirety, but like the large part of E three. And then I looked up the sales figures. Animal Crossing New Leaf was the second best selling game on the three DS after I think Pokemon. Wow. Or That's or amazing. it might be Pokemon and Zelda or like Pokemon and another Nintendo thing. But it was like if you remove Pokemon from there, Animal Crossing is the best selling thing, which is amazing. And it's really surprising to me that there aren't more games that are like Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. What? I mean, I think I always think of Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley maybe in the kind of same realm. Yeah. But it's almost like with I mean, Stardew Valley is like very much a revival of Harvest Moon. That wasn't necessarily rolling with one element and like paring it down. That was like this series we feel has gone astray. What made it great? And we'll make a game that does that. Which I love. I love games that do that. Golf Story is another great example of yeah. that. It's like, what the fuck happened to Mario Golf? Okay, yeah. we're just going to make our own version of that. Right. Right. But I think. In terms of other games like Animal Crossing, I think you're right. There isn't a game that kind of captures that sense of... I mean, God, this is a whole other show, I feel like, because I'm thinking... I'm trying to pare down what Animal Crossing does 
And I think that there is the element of like every day is different and every day is a kind of a discovery mm-hmm. and a lot of your actions don't really pay off until later. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think I, re- I once read a review of New Leaf that said like this is a game about what happens tomorrow when you're playing it, mm. which I think is kind of a beautiful way to sum it up because yeah, like totally. I think a lot of games captured that like really cathartic sense of routine. Where, like in Animal Crossing, I always think of like, what do I do? It's like, okay, I'm going to check my mail. I'm making sure my house has enough cockroaches. Maybe talk to my neighbor who is a goat. Find all the fishing find all the fossils go fishing and then i'm like okay i'm good for the day i'll I'll check in tomorrow yeah it's a game you're not really gonna unless unless it's like when you first get it or there's some kind of event happening in the town yeah it's another game this shares with dauntless that's kind of like you play for an hour or so Mm -hmm. every day to unwind and they don't incentivize you to play any longer than that right which is great like the game actively wants you to only check it for an hour a day so i think i think that there's there's a lot that it shares with stardew valley and with like any kind of town sim game but what it does alone that i think very few games have pulled off is this sense of like a real living world the sense of like everything is mundane enough that it has this very like tranquil vibe to it and like Mm -hmm. the changes that happen are not like dramatic they're just like oh so-and-so built an igloo and is going to give me a statue you know like it's like very it feels like you're actually in a town and and the the feature of visiting friends towns and kind of finding your own fun i guess is something nintendo does really well you know in in games like breath of the wild and other games that are kind of open in that sense. I think I'm going to stop you right there. I have a I have an impromptu proposal for you. Yeah, what's up? Because our our plan for this episode to be to be completely transparent to you, dear listener, was we were going to talk about Dauntless and maybe talk about Splatoon later. Because even playing it, I I wonder if maybe we take a break right now and we come back and we talk about what we want from Animal Crossing. I love that. You I want to do that? that because I yeah I feel like I could talk about that forever. All I was going to say about Splatoon is that I'm getting back into it. It, it, it rules. Yeah, uh, that's basically it. It's also worth <laughs> noting that the Animal Crossing team and the Splatoon team share a lot of key members. It it's very clear, especially when anyone's talking Splatoon and it's sped up because it goes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it does the kind of like Animal Crossing. Yeah, uh, I can do that pretty well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm always like, whenever I do an impression on the show, it's never me. Like, okay, here we go. I've been practicing in the mirror for hours. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. I can do this i guess oh the spotlight's on me i gotta do it spotlight's um, on me let's let's take a break and let's come back and talk about animal crossing because i know next week we're going to be talking about things that we want out of e3 but like i think i could talk about animal crossing as its own separate thing i think they're not to plant the seed of too much pressure mm-hmm. but i feel like there's ingredients for like an animal crossing centric show i just feel like once it comes out there's enough that that could be a fun side thing or something we just do every so often on this show yeah one of my favorite podcasts of all time which is currently on an indefinite hiatus is idle thumbs which was just a wonderful video game show those of you who listened to that in the past probably hear a lot of it in this show because because it's like really inspirational to me. Um, but there was a recurring segment for a while on that show that was called I'm Still Playing Fallout Shelter. And it was literally just like, <laughs> they would do a whole episode and then at the end it would be, there was like a little theme song that was like, I'm still playing Fallout Shelter. And then it was just all about like everyone still playing Fallout Shelter for yeah, like I, months. I would just love to check in about each other's towns once that's a thing. And yeah. we can maybe just do a little, I, just throwing it out there. Yeah. All right, let's take a break because I want to go get yeah. some water. And Same. then when we come back, let's talk about Animal Crossing. Okay, that sounds great. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, we're back from we're the break back. to talk about Animal Crossing for the Nintendo Switch. Our hopes and dreams. And actually, we were actually just talking about what the new title could be because New Leaf is such a good title. New Leaf is the best title because it's Animal yeah. Crossing Wild World, which was like, there's nothing wild about <laughs> Animal Crossing. Yeah. A uh, little suggestive in a weird way, too, you know? Yeah. City Folk, which I think was a little bit underwhelming because it implied a little bit more city stuff than what you actually got out of that and game. And that was the worst one by yeah. far. Uh, yeah. New Leaf, which is perfect in every way. Yeah. Uh, and I think you could talk about Pocket Camp, which I think is also a pretty good name in terms of just like very literally describing the game that you're playing. I think Pocket Camp's also kind of... I think there's a lot of mobile games that are doing this sort of pared down focused version of that. Yeah, um, I haven't played podcasts, so I can't speak too much on that behalf. But that's definitely, I think, been doing a great job, kind of getting more people into Animal Crossing. Yeah, because 
despite the sales numbers you shared earlier, it is still kind of like <laughs> if there's a scale of like Nintendo properties that are like known and talked about and openly worshipped, you have like Mario and Zelda on one side, mm-hmm. and then you have like Mother on the other side. Yeah, and Animal Crossing is like Mother adjacent. Like it's 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 closer to Mario and Zelda, but it's like not too far from Mother. I feel yeah. like yeah. that might be a good subtitle. Animal Crossing, not, not too far, far from, from Mother. mother. <laughs> Fucking psycho. Norman Bates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've already poisoned this segment. It's supposed to be so wholesome. And I'm Every like, house you move into <laughs> is, an, is an old house with uh, a secret attic you can't get into until you're done oh upgrading everything else in your house and you get up. That's, it's just that's extra horrifying because Norman Bates is like really into taxidermy. This is going a very oh sad my god. Direction. Let's talk about the wholesome, not Norman Bates inspired Animal Crossing. Yeah, that we hope for. That's what we are fearing, but this is what we hope for. I'm I'm really interested because talking about like games that you pare down, right? Like so, looking at Dauntless compared to Monster Hunter being like a very pared down kind of streamlined version of of, of Monster Hunter. I wonder, like, what would I even want to add to Animal Crossing? I think is the, is the question that I keep asking myself. Like, I think them doubling down in New Leaf on customization by making you the mayor like saying okay we're gonna we're gonna allow you to customize your town in a way you never have before and then deciding to rope that into a narrative you know and and animal crossing has an extremely loose narrative in that there is almost none except for like the first hour where they tell you you're the mayor and then like that's as far as the story of the game goes basically a debt sim at a certain point like the thread of <laughs> the thread of the plot is really paying off loans right exactly yeah and then everything else like everything else that happens in the story is all based on what you're doing right so like eventually you will come across mr Rossetti and he'll tell you how he doesn't have like the reset center <laughs> anymore and he wants you to help build it or you'll talk to blathers and he'll say hey i have this friend who wants to build a cafe but i don't have room in my museum you know and like that's all kind of like that's that's just going to pop up as you play but like in terms of actual story there is none I don't think I want them to add one either, really. Yeah. Do you think it'd be beneficial? I mean, I would literally be shocked if there were were any people listening to this podcast that needed Animal Crossing explained to them. But part of me does want to kind of run over like what the core of the game is. Yeah, let's at do least it. at least this is a framing device for us to see what there is to add. Yeah. Considering Look, I, we're going to talk about Animal Crossing a lot, I think. And Animal yeah. Crossing New Leaf is probably one of the most important games I've ever played in my whole life, it's to be one. completely honest. It's it's one of those situations where when the Nintendo Direct was happening and they announced that Isabel from New Leaf was going to be in Super Smash Brothers, I was like, wow, this is really exciting. I was walking through Times Square, like watching it on my phone as I was like walking to the to the subway. And then they transitioned from that to the scene where Tom Nook is like, well, Isabel's gone, but you know, we're still going to like do some stuff. And then it said 2019 for Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch and I literally in Times Square stopped moving and then started tearing up because I was like so fucking excited yeah. <laughs> that there's a new Animal yeah. Crossing coming this year. I hope it doesn't get delayed. But anyway, that being said, we're going to talk about Animal Crossing a lot so it is good to have like a baseline for what this game is. Yeah, so the first one in the US came out on the GameCube. Probably one of the... I feel like Animal Crossing I always kind of see as like the game that defines the GameCube for me. Because yeah. it was like it was one of Nintendo's weirder eras where like every first party game they were trying something different. So that's when you got Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. That's when you got Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion. Like, a lot of stuff they were really, like, taking risks on. Right. And it was a port of a game from the N64 that came out in Japan called Animal Forest. Right, right. Uh, so the game begins, you are on a train. Strangers on a train, another Hitchcock kind of reference <laughs> for you mm-hmm. there. And you meet a talkative cat who asks you about yourself. And that's kind of what determines your appearance, I believe. Yes. Even though, like, it's not clear what's going to give you sleepy eyes or, like panicked mm-hmm. eyes yeah <laughs> um but you are moving to this town that's inhabited by animals you are a human or human adjacent at least mm-hmm. and you arrive in the town and you are greeted by tom nook who is the storekeeper of the town and you learn also kind of is like in charge of the town financially at least he's not yeah. the mayor right but he's the money of the town the bells that's the currency yes you have a house ready for you and then he tells you like and you basically owe me ten thousand bells and you're like i don't i have nothing 
I yeah. literally have this house that is taking things away from me. And he's like, hey, don't worry. Uh, like, take your time, pay me back. Also, visit the store when you get the chance. You're like, this motherfucker. Like, he's going to make <laughs> so much money off of me. Right. But from there, like you said, there's really a loose pot. Like, you had this house. Uh, there are in the first game there are like four houses and kind of like a little courtyard I guess uh, and your town is unique to you so there are certain staples there's a post office there's Tom Nook's store there's a museum the train station and then you know other animals live there usually like a handful yeah and and there are like a finite number of animal neighbors you can have that all have their own personalities and their own quirks right there are certain archetypes is like the jock the grump mm-hmm. the like uh, you know prep uh, yeah. the, I think one's just confused. I don't know. This yeah. is like, most, there's a lot most of... notably in in the GameCube one, like animals can be mean to you, which I yeah. kind of miss. Like I kind of miss that. Like some of them are like actually kind of like a little bit fiery and will, like dump yeah, on you they, every once in a while. There's this sense that like you are not really super welcome in this town <laughs> in the first one. Yeah, but basically like where where things are in the town is unique to you. So there is like some kind of procedurally generated stuff there, and you also have on the trees grow a number of things uh but definitely fruit and mm-hmm. your town has a fruit that's unique to you so in the beginning your main at least for me my mainstream of currency is like just selling fruit because right like, you just shake every tree really do. and then sell all that fruit and as you get more money you can buy more stuff so what you really need are tools which this is where it gets a little harvest moony where you can get like a fishing rod shovel and axe so you can chop down trees yeah. you can you can dig things in the ground you can go fishing and then and, and, a, and a bug net you can catch bugs uh, whenever you catch bugs or fish, you can choose to either sell them or donate them to the museum. And the museum keeps a list of, and you can visit and like see all the fish in the aquarium. I love the museum. That's usually like my main quest in this Me game too. is to like fill the museum. Mm-hmm. And Blathers, who's the owl, is always like shocked that you're giving him something. He's like, "You're giving me a dinosaur fossil? Like you just <laughs> holy you shit, just, dude! You just moved to town. I know how much debt you have, and you're giving me a fossil? Right? Oh my god! You're giving me you... the skull of a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Do you know how much this goes?" <laughs> for and you also uh you can also buy like outfits to wear uh so you can customize your appearance there and you can also buy furniture and stuff for your house and as you pay off your debt you can expand your house to be bigger and have more stuffs in it stuffs in it more stuff in it mm-hmm. so in that way it's almost like the sims so it's kind of like the sims meets harvest moon meets like a mysterious forest full of strange neighbors mm-hmm. and you can also talk to your neighbors and they will give you like random like they might give you gifts they might like ask to visit your place they might need you to do something for them it's a very like there really isn't like even your debt which is probably the most crushing goal there isn't any punishment for not paying it off you just won't ever build your house more right so and in some progress- cases i've played that game and purposely not upgraded my house at all yeah like I, I just want this one little room and that's kind of it and every day there's just like there might be little things like on saturdays uh kk slider the dog musician will be in town and he'll be playing his music and like mm-hmm. at 8 p.m the, mu- the music in the game is just like really lovely it's just a really it really feels like you are in a different place for a little bit yeah and I think it, it scratches the itch of like a lot of those games where like, you know, it, it has, I guess, what like Persona has or Stardew Valley has where there's this sort of like day. Not, start, Persona isn't linked to like our time the way uh, Animal Crossing is because that's like literally like a day has to pass. So that's why you might only play for so long because there's not really much to do once you get to a certain time. But at the same time, if you wanted to just play that game all day, it will go from day to night. You'll get to see like all shades of the day and like you can still find stuff to do. Like fishing in that game is like one of the most blissful experiences mm-hmm. ever. So that was the first game, which I spent by far the most time playing. You wow, could also really? visit. That was, yeah. that was like your, that was the one for I you? I loved the first game, yeah. Mm. And if you visit a friend's, uh, if you, because the game took up a whole memory card, I remember. So if you plugged <laughs> in, if you plugged in another memory card, you could visit your friend's town. Right. And that was really fun because you could see what's different. If they had a if they had a different fruit, you could plant that in your town and sell it for five hundred bells. That's how I make all my money. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, so New Leaf was the only other one I've played. Oh, um, really? I played City Folk at a friend's house. I I heard kind of mixed things and didn't get around to it. But New Leaf was the return. And that was also like New Leaf came out right after I graduated college, I believe. Mm-hmm. In a weird kind of like very up in the air time. And that was like the perfect time to get that game. Same with me. Like I think like the first Animal Crossing caught me at like the crux of puberty. <laughs> it's like okay, like every, <laughs> everything is changing. Help. Uh and then <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm an animal. <laughs> ah! <laughs> 
Everything is different. Help me. Every day is different. What's happening? <laughs> this um, eagle won't stop dunking on me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> so it was a nice static day, day-to-day thing. Well, everything around me was changing. Everything. Yeah. Everything in my life was changing. Graduating college, a bit less dramatic, but also kind of a weird time. And I played New Leaf. And I think the the main addition there, as we kind of touched on in passing, was... (laughs) That was a fun aside. Uh, Things hit me later. (laughs) Was that you are the mayor. So you can actually, like, not only just spend money on your house, but you can also build things for the town. Like, you could build bridges. You could build Mm -hmm. other things. You could, you know, you, you had more... Whole buildings. Yeah, and there was more stuff to do in the town, so that was like a really nice addition that added like a whole other feature. As I recount sort of my history of the game, and 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 would you add anything to that? Was that a good overview of like what this series is? Yeah, I think so. I the only stuff that I'll I'll say is I played the first game. I played it on GameCube. Um, I thought it was pretty good, but I I never really got super into it. The first one that I got really 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 into was Wild World for the DS, and then uh, I just played just an unbelievable amount of that game. Really really, really hooked me. And uh, when City Folk came out and I had a Wii, it was the first time I ever owned like a, a Nintendo console for myself because like I, I just oh, played okay. the GameCube one like elsewhere, like at friends' houses and stuff. So I got City Folk really excited having played a shitload of, of Wild World. And that was the discovery for me that the console-based Animal Crossing games don't work for me. It wasn't that the game was bad, but it was that the fact that I had to sit on a couch and play it in front of a TV didn't work for me. And I feel like this is a game where you need to have your town close to your face. So anyway, that having been said, uh, eventually New Leaf came out, and that was that was the one. That was like I Wild World. I played a lot. New Leaf. I played probably three to four times as much. That that game is is very special to me. Um, yeah, and it also came out at a very tumultuous time in my life, where like I didn't go to college. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on the show, but like I didn't go to college. But I was like really really trying to just start working. Like I really wanted to like just start a career in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, I was just working at I think I think I was at Star. Starbucks when that game came out. That and was when we re- reconnected. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember talking about Fire Emblem behind the Starbucks I worked at. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I, I was playing. In secret. We were in hiding. Like, yes. Why does Brent take all those breaks? Steven. What? Like, come out of garbage can. <laughs> yeah, I like Fire Emblem so much. Fuck off. Um, a great Sorry. thing about, about Animal Crossing. Crossing New Leaf on the 3DS was that it had the accelerometer that would like count your steps and then you could like use those you would like accrue steps that you could convert to coins that you could spend at the nook shop to buy like special items and stuff so like so, a fitbit kind of uh, yes oh it was in the game uh, yeah in the game yeah so i would have my 3ds in my pocket while i was working shifts at starbucks like walking around and stuff and then on my breaks i would flip open the 3ds and spend that money and then close it up again and then do the same thing like all day and i loved that i loved that i got really into turnip trading and all that kind of stuff but anyway every game has kind of added a a different thing which is kind of what i want to talk about so the first game was just like very standard like whatever it is animal crossing wild world kind of like switched up the graphical style in a way and that's kind of really all it added like it added more events and more things to do but not really a whole lot mechanically city folk added the city the ability to like go online and like fuck around with your friends and stuff but new leaf i think is the one that added the most with the mayor system with things like just like weird things like like the dream the dream suite, yeah yeah which is like bizarre it's like a way to visit random people's towns um very strange but anyway yes animal crossing that's it the dream suite is like in our sales pitch for animal crossing someone who hasn't played it that's the thing that we have to kind of like curve around like don't don't think too much about the dream suite you're yeah. gonna love this game <laughs> Yeah, the Dream Suite was interesting because it was like you can make a house or something. People like made games in the Dream Suite. It's yeah. kind of wild. It's pretty cool. Credit where credit's due, the first Animal Crossing also has arcade machines you can find that are just like actual NES games that you could play. Yeah, if yeah, you can play more NES games on the original Animal Crossing for GameCube than you can on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> currently for free yeah for free. for free yeah given it's like balloon fighter and like ice climbers and stuff but not like zelda right but still it's pretty wild balloon fighter obviously shows up in the in this in, Sm- in the smash brothers mm-hmm. but yeah animal crossing god i uh yeah i think you're right i was thinking the same thing i mean obviously when when the first one came out i was 11 and i was at a point in my life where like playing video games in front of a tv was kind of a given mm-hmm you know, I think like I obviously had more time and like that was kind of a ritual that made sense. 
Yeah. Whereas now it really is an investment. And that's kind of why, you know, I, I highlight games like Dauntless or like anything that just doesn't take too much of your time because the idea of sitting in front of a TV for more than two hours makes me like sick. Like that, that <laughs> is a very specific day that will, I will not get, not that that's a bad thing inherently for anyone to do, but like for me, I am just wired in a way where I need to constantly be doing something and yeah. investing more time than that. And it takes a lot, it takes a very specific mindset for me to do that. Yeah, um, especially during the week. So, but I think separate of my own strange uh, anxiety, the intimacy of having the handheld thing and and the idea, the convenience of checking in every day and having it be to something you're holding, I think is is the way that this game is meant to be played. Yeah, it's almost like the as the technology has gotten to the point where we can get a full fledged, graphically updated Animal Crossing on a handheld device that has online features. Yeah, is like that. It's almost like this is the perfect time for Animal Crossing to come out yeah so what can they add that's where we're still at i honestly like i in terms of our personal hopes and dreams like having having a like new leaf 1.5 on the switch would almost be enough we're like i think so too that's the thing i keep bumping up against yeah. is like you could just put new leaf on on the switch and i think i'd be yeah. happy again like if you had like you know more more furniture and more costumes and more neighbors but just like had like i think the mayor mechanic is so good that i would be sad to see it go not that i need to be the mayor in in status but i think that having the ability to customize the town i think is a really nice thing you're gonna be the and governor you're gonna have like eight towns <laughs> <laughs> raise the stakes baby you're gonna be god <laughs> An <laughs> Animal Crossing deity. Yeah, I just got a scenario where like Isabel is the star of an Animal Crossing Veep spinoff, and that's like, oh my good. god. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so two things that we haven't really mentioned or talked about too much are Happy Home Designer, which is a 3DS game. That have you played it? No, I also have not played it. But skip. Yeah, <laughs> but I but I know what it is, and it, it is it is a game where you have a very specific job of designing houses and doing the interior design for other villagers in other towns, which is a really cool idea and something that I could see them just like folding into this. Um, mm. It's basically like just adding a, a very I, I don't even want to call it a mini game, but almost like a side game into it. And I feel like a lot of people really loved Happy Home Designer. I haven't played it, so I don't know, but I probably would like it, and I maybe I'll check it out actually. And I think. No, I'm saying this out loud. But anyway, like that'd be an interesting thing. And then also there's a lot of stuff in Pocket Camp that I could see moving over into this game. Um, mostly in aesthetics, but also like a really cool thing about Pocket Camp is you're designing this camp that you have, but you're also given the RV that you can like drive around to different areas that you're also designing the interior of. So you're you're kind of like designing two places simultaneously. I love um, that. I really like that. Which is cool. Yeah, I, I could just, I see a world in which there is a greater customization of your town, your house, and like maybe a third thing. Whether that's an RV, whether that's a camp, whether I don't know what it is, uh, whether that's the inside of other people's houses, I, I could see that kind of becoming a thing. Not that like that's what brings me to the game because it's super not, but I know enough people love those aspects of the game, the the like creating your own idyllic world. Yeah, that I could see them kind of just leaning into that even more. I wonder if I just got hit by this idea of I wonder if there's a way in terms of like thinking outside the town almost, you know, because I think like whatever they're doing in the town is keep doing that because it rules. Yeah. I think there's a way to bring the city back in a way of like there's an area outside the town that is a shared space for a lot of people. I'm oh worried about God, that yes. just because of the way Nintendo's Internet works. Yeah. But I think that there's a way to have kind of like in Splatoon, like the, the like Times Square kind of area. Yeah. Having someone like that. And I, I just had this idea of kind of like Moonlighter-esque, having the ability to have a store in a public space to like oh my sell God. stuff you don't need and customizing that store and charging certain prices for your items. I think that would be a whole... That's in Pocket Camp. That's a thing in Pocket Camp. Oh, and I mean, I, I, think, that, I think that that would be a cool way to like have... Because if there's one main incentive in the game, it's to make money. Right. So I think having more ways to make money and having more fun ways and, and having like ways to make money where there's customization within that yeah. I think is the is the direction to go in. So I think having your own store that you could also upgrade and also decorate your own way and have like weird music playing, I think would be dope. Steven, what, this is what, such a good story. idea that like I'm not I would not be surprised at all if they added it. Like Yeah. 
it is it is so in line with the direction that they've been taking this series over the years. If it doesn't like, happen, I might write a letter. Like I'm so anti <laughs> writing letters and petitions, but I'm like, I just thought of the best idea ever for your game. You <laughs> How dare you not add this idea? Because you know that what I want to do? I want to um, make the most like mystical shop ever. I want it to be like tarot and astrology shop where I just sell like weird glow like crystal orbs and yeah. it's all like dimly lit. Yeah, uh, mine is all tall splinkoids. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to big and tall oh stupid that was bad tall splinkoids let's call it that <laughs> splinkoids are us yeah God, i think I that's love that idea it's such a good idea i'm really impressed with myself again it's like <laughs> it's not that wild like it's it's pretty much in line with what they've been doing and you said it's already in pocket camp but like because that's also like I just think it'd be really fun. And it'd be fun to have that be the online element too of like yeah. visiting a friend's store and, and getting items that like they have that you don't have. Yeah. So you haven't played Pocket Camp. So to, to give you a little bit of insight into what that looks like in Pocket Camp, there is a lot of interesting stuff going on with with the online element of Pocket Camp considering it's a, it's a smartphone game. But pretty much the only version of that that exists is you can get like fruits and bugs and fish and stuff and you can just throw them in this little like menu. It's almost like a separate menu that you can add and you can just say this stuff is for sale Um, because the way that game works is you go out and like uh, get the favor of animals that don't live at your camp by like giving them gifts and they'll ask for specific things like cherries or like carp or whatever. So you can sell whatever items you want that you have like excess of those things and then use that to get animals to come join your camp when you brought up carp i just got a very specific vision of the the carp noble and sakura being in animal crossing like his <laughs> hand coming out of the jar that'd be my dream mm-hmm. you can add that the good idea and the bad idea adding the guy who lives in the pot who wants carp to animal crossing or yes. adding your own store so it exists kind of in a minimal fashion at this point the idea of having your own store yeah it's animal very crossing. it's very low-key uh and and it's kind of like tucked away and it reminds me a little bit of legend of zelda link between worlds in that like that game was an exploration of what happens if you like break free of the linear style of of zelda making um and then you know, that became Breath of the Wild. I could see this and all of the, like, interesting social interaction stuff that they're doing in Pocket Camp, like, just kind of getting expanded and becoming bigger in whatever yeah. this game becomes. Yeah, I think I think, I think think have high hopes for it based on just, like, how all the Switch first-party games have been. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that they've been kind of secretive about it. And I would say that it will probably be the bulk of the E3. Fire Emblem is also coming out, so I could see them touching on that. They did show a pretty good amount. And and one of the last directs. Yeah, I could see them doing an entire Fire Emblem direct by itself. Yeah, I think so. Probably closer to like, I mean, it comes out in July, so it's it's June. Yeah. I just did you watch the Mario Maker two direct? I have not. The the thing that was really wild about that direct was like they started talking about like a couple features here and there. It was like, oh yeah, you can go online now. You have slopes. Like now there's uh I don't know now there's like an angry so you can like add the angry sun and you can touch it and it turns into a happy moon and like that's great. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> They just launched into like, it almost felt like uh, at the end of an infomercial when that guy speaks really fast and goes through all the legal stuff, where they just went like feature, 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 feature for like five straight minutes. And it was wild. And I could see that exact same thing happening in Animal Crossing, where it's like, here's literally everything we changed between New Leaf and now. Yeah. And you just go down the list, and that's like a huge chunk of the direct. That was kind of one of the earlier Smash Brothers directs felt like that, where they're yes. like, you can customize the levels in any way. You could do this. You could listen to the music on the go. It's, right. You know, I think the yeah. thing that gives me the most hope is that we have not heard a single thing at all. There have been no leaks, no rumors, no mentions of it since they first announced it at all, which is like they're saving a lot for one specific moment, and that might be E3, and it might not be. Yeah. But if it is, like, I think we're going to get a shitload of information about that game all at once. I would also like to see, in terms of, I I agree, and in terms of what else to add, I'm thinking about Stardew Valley and how, like, that game, I feel like, has specific areas that are geared towards a style of play. So, like, you know, when I think of Animal Crossing, you have your tools that will lead you to different areas and lead you to different things. So, like, Mm -hmm. you might focus on, like, chopping down trees and planting new ones with your shovel and your axe yeah you might focus on catching bugs with your net you might go to the shore and and just 
I was always, you know, me and being nautical, I was always on the shore catching fish. Yeah, me too. And and picking up seashells on the beach. But uh, I think there it might be cool to add some kind of version. I don't know what form this would take because it's almost jarring in Stardew Valley that there is that cave that's like a weird roguelike yeah. survival game where uh-huh. you fight like slimes and skeletons. You're like, wait, does anyone else in the town know what's going on here other than the dude with the eye patch and the cave? The Adventurers <laughs> Club, right? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah. Is, or am I just breathing in toxins that are letting me see all this? Like, what is <laughs> that game's like kind of like flirtatious, like. Uh, walk around the high fantasy elements that are in the town i can't get enough of yeah but i wonder if there's a way to add like because i think if there's any if there's any complaint that some people have with animal crossing is that eventually you might get to a alexander wept for their no more kingdoms to conquer territory where you're like well what else can i do like i feel like i i got to a point where i like the way my house looks i don't really like feel the need to play this every day as much as i did i wonder if there's some kind of gameplay mechanic within the town that is like always fun to do that they can add that will keep you like coming back honestly that's that's the area where i think i have the most hope yeah because what that team has done with splatoon in keeping that game so fresh for so long by constantly adding things because like it's a game that is constantly connected to the internet now like it is it is inherently linked to that and it's kind of a games as service even though you're not paying for like a subscription or anything outside of nintendo online i guess which you know say we will about that but that game has been so fresh for so long by adding new weapons adding new maps adding new um uh, splatfest things and like yeah modes and things like that like i think that an animal crossing game that is treated in that same way where like we're going to constantly continue to update this game and keep it fresh is really exciting to me because my my point of no return with that game usually comes at around the year mark where like new leaf came out in the spring by the next spring I was like, I've seen everything now. Like I've done all yeah. the, I've done the fishing contests. I've done the the bug catching contests. I've seen all the events. I've seen all the holidays. Like I think that's kind of it for me. Like my house is huge now. I, I built the coffee shop and I built, like I finished the museum. Like I did everything. Uh, and that's usually where it ends for me. And I could see them being like, okay, cool. You did all of that, but we just added a whole like, I don't know, forest next to the town now. <laughs> you know, like here, right. here's DLC where we added something. Uh, we added a mountain. That's such a good climb. point. Because Splatoon, and, and it's, it's interesting you bring that up because, like, that's something that I'm experiencing with Splatoon right now is, like, I haven't played that game in a long time, and it just, I'm so excited to return to it because yeah. of, like, they're constantly adding new, like, attire, and the Splatfest alone, like, I would love to see some kind of version of the Splatfest in Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. where, like, maybe there's, like, a berry picking contest or something, and, like, you know, it's other players doing something. Like, they have, that team clearly has, like, the game-making chops to have some kind of fun game within this kind of like life sim right yes so i think having your own store and having like more events that are like everyone can participate in and that just seems like very likely like i feel like i like i i hope that we're calling it now because that just seems like a natural extension of what's been happening yeah and the problem with nintendo though is like the things that seem the most obvious are the ones that they always tend to avoid like that's true the biggest one and we haven't talked about this at all but the, the wildest thing about Super Mario Maker 2 is that they have an online mode, but you can only play with random people. You can't play with your friends. Is like fucking what? wild. Yeah. <laughs> that was a choice that they made. They might be like, Animal Crossing, it's the same game, but if you shake your Switch, your house falls down. It just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Why'd yeah, you it's, add this? It's completely accelerometer based. You can only move yeah. by turning your Switch. If you spit on the screen, your neighbors yell at you. Um. <laughs> That's like in the, I always forgot that the DS had that feature where if you blow into the screen like that does stuff in certain games. Like there yeah. was part of uh, one of the Zelda games where like you blew a candle out. I'm like this is I <laughs> forgot I could do that. Yeah, I think I sighed heavily and then it did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that one um, Zelda game? I think it was maybe uh, Spirit Tracks or something or Phantom Hourglass. Phantom Hourglass where you had to Tracks. close your you had to close the the DS. And open it up to solve a puzzle. Do you remember that? Yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that. It was it was fun that they were using the system, but like both those games are are not my favorite, to be quite frank. No, no, I, mean, I like not Spirit very Tracks good. a bit more, but yeah. you're not. This is not a hot take. I, I, think, that, I think that's most people. <laughs> I would agree with you there. Which sucks to say, because I'm such a huge Zelda fan, especially Wind Waker. So that's those are like the Wind Waker. Those are like the Wind Waker direct to video sequels. It's like Return oh my of the God, yes, Wind Waker. Yeah, yeah, Lion King one and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I have really high hopes for Animal Crossing. I I feel like they might do it right. I think the my my concerns, the pitfalls, are like the the Nintendo of it all in terms of the online <laughs> stuff. Right. Like, kind of freaks me out in terms of 
you know, are they going to are they going to just like make the worst choice possible? Like, are they going to have eight paths and they're going to say like, no, I'm just going to sit on the floor instead, which is a thing that they've done before. Um, my other concern is like, does the free to play gaminess of, of Pocket Camp, like the microtransaction stuff, like make its way into the main game? That kind of freaks me out. Hmm. But I feel like they, they haven't really I feel done like they won't that. Do that. No. Yeah. They, I don't feel like they've done that. And like, because there's Nintendo is still for better or for worse, adamant about like, and this is a good thing, especially in today's day and age of like keeping things safe for kids. Right. Like even I, <laughs> I was listening to the Smash Brothers soundtrack the other day, and they even censored some of the lyrics in Persona 3's theme song. Where, oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of saying "damn right," the guy just goes "hell yeah" in the background. <laughs> but um, you know, they they want to make sure like that that kids don't fall victim to predatory tactics, which is like one of the most noble things you can do. It's great in and the I, main games, but like that stuff is still extremely there in Pocket Camp and in Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah, that's true. It's like pretty prevalent. That's that's interesting, yeah. And they haven't made a full Fire Emblem or Animal Crossing game since either of those came out, and that's what makes me nervous. Is like we're in kind of uncharted territory for them. Well, when did when did Fire Emblem Heroes come out? Because Fates was twenty sixteen. It was after Fates. Oh, it was after Fates. Yeah. yeah. Fire Emblem Heroes or Warriors that doesn't have any microtransactions. I don't think. No. Does that count as a Fire Emblem game to you? I don't know. I don't want to get into. Th- I feel like we keep bashing on and off bashing the Warriors franchise. I just don't. It serves its place. It I played place. and enjoyed Hyrule Warriors. That's a, I too. think I had a yeah. good time with it. We, we let's not get into it, because <laughs> then I'm going to talk about how disappointed I am about Persona, and I don't want to do the that. Persona Warriors. What is it called again? I don't even know. I might just get it just to like live a little, you know. <laughs> um, that might be a fun surprise. Yeah, I think maybe we should wrap up. Okay. I think maybe that's the move. I think in short, we're excited for Animal Crossing. We're definitely going to talk about it again. I think we have the best predictions possible of what we want. To I be feel honest. pretty good, yeah, about yeah. about that stuff. And I think you know we'll, we'll wait and see. I think uh, I am optimistic. Yes. And yeah, let's wrap up. We will return to this conversation again. Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be a lot of Animal Crossing talk on this podcast eventually. I mean, look at our podcast cover art for Into the Aether. Listen to the soundtrack. It's all pretty <laughs> Animal Crossing inspired. If you speed up our vocals, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'll release a second version of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds like Animal Crossing. Anyway, yeah, that hey. That would be very funny if you did that. That'd be very good. Yeah. Hey, thank you to everybody who listens to this show. The constant support is very cool and, and humbling and wonderful. So thank you for that. Thank you to everybody in our Discord who just like keeps that going. Um, that community is really cool and is growing. If you want to join, it's bit.ly slash TWG Discord. And thank you to AJ Flurry, our producer, for editing this episode in particular, which is going to yeah, require a lot. A there's, got, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's June 1st. Oh, it's June 2nd right it's june 2nd wow TikTok. <laughs> hey if you like the show leaving a review is great unparalleled to be put to be quite frank sharing it is also great and we i i just second everything brendan just said we really appreciate the support and we have fun making it and uh the discord is great all that's good oh we have a twitter account as well it's at into the cast Yes. And speaking of Twitter, I guess we'll just sign off now. Thanks again. Uh, you can <laughs> speaking find me. of Twitter, we'll sign off. Um, speaking of Twitter, that, that emblematic of my social media presence. An- wait, another thing that we should mention uh, is is the Twitch account, which is also into the cast. And oh, yeah, yeah. I think you and I should this week stream Dauntless. Yeah, we'll see. I, uh, I would love to stream it soon. I just got to check what's going on this week, but I would love to do that. Okay. Okay. Nothing more exciting than the phrase, we'll see. Yes. <laughs> um, and with that, my name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Yes, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Have a wonderful week and uh, make sure you pay all your bills on time. Otherwise, that, that darn Tom Nook is going to come and uh, wreck your house. He sure is. Especially if you <laughs> shake <Yeah>. your switch. <laughs> Mr. Rossetti, I'm dizzy. Um, <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I think I'm an animal. <laughs> ah! <laughs>